Hello all and welcome to the fifth episode of the Chromatic Spaces podcast, where we will be delving into the stories, hardships and journeys of various classical musicians in Singapore. My name is Ying Tsi and I'll be your host throughout the series. This podcast is also sponsored by Chromatic Spaces, the number one in Singapore for live chamber music private performances. Check it out at chromaticspaces.com or drop them an email at help at chromaticspaces.com. Today, our guest will be violinist Lim Howey. Howey has been learning the violin from as young as four years old and is a graduate of the Yongsuto Conservatory of Music. He also played for Resound Collective as well as the Metropolitan Festival Orchestra and Asian Cultural Symphony Orchestra, among many others. Howey is also an active violin teacher who enjoys teaching students of every age group. Good evening, Howey, and welcome to the Chromatic Spaces podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. So, to start off, um, you started playing the violin at a very, very young age, right? It was like four years old or something, correct? Mm. Yeah. Um, do you remember like how or why you picked it up and like subsequently why you continue playing it till today? Hi, uh, I, I started at the age of four, I think, or so my mom tells me. <laughs> oh. So I grew up in a family of musicians. Uh, all, my co- all my other cousins played an instrument and the violin was, I think a handful of my other cousins played the violin actually. So I was like the fifth one or something who picked it up. And then... Uh, yeah, and then and then over the years, uh, it only became a serious thing when I started viewing it as a, not not as a chore to practice, but you know, like an avenue to relieve stress or you know, self exploration or, or if you call it that way. Yeah. Ah, uh, so you found it a as a way to sort of relieve stress. You didn't find playing the violin sort of stressful or like all the practice and all that. You can say it became a serious hobby. Some point, oh. but I, I think it, it came much later, like when I was about 17 or 18. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. So that is, uh, you really, really basically like when you, when your mom made you pick it up, you sort of just really enjoyed playing it. And so like how, in, in when you say you made it into like a serious hobby, was there anything that sort of sparked, uh, in you that made you think, okay, I want to play the violin as my career when I graduate? Not really. It's, it's more <laughs> like at some, at, at some point, you just realize like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> <You just, laughs> ah, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. It's something worth venturing into. Yeah. <laughs> ah, so like, oh, so you realize that, well, I'm pretty, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. <laughs> So um, when you play the violin, right, um, you can play both classical and pop music, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. So um, what would you say are like, um, would be the main differences when you play both uh, classical or pop on the violin? I would imagine it's very, very different, right? I think classical, there is a, a constant pursuit for um, perfection. So that's something you, you want to make sure that you nail every aspect of the music to the best of your abilities. Mm-hmm. Such that 
there, there is never quite a ceiling of you know how how or if you are ever good enough, you just you know your only obstacle is yourself. Right. And then so you there is um a musical aspect of it, and then there's also the technical bit. So you constantly strive to make sure that these two can exist in the same piece of music. And I think, okay, I don't think it's correct to say that uh, pop music is easier, but there is, uh, I would say there's lesser expectation of, of some sort. And then the material that you work with is, uh, is easier, technically speaking, such that there are, there's not much of an um, extended technique whatsoever. So you, you go with it. You you play it based on what you know, what you hear, and then from there you, it's just I'll say fun. It's fun. Pop music is more fun to play than classical music. Both okay. Both are fun. <laughs> this is this is sorry less stressful. Less stressful. I understand. Um, it's because like when you play classical music, right? You have you sort of have to live up to like centuries, hundreds of years of previous like masters. And professionals and playing it. Centuries of expectations and centuries of bar set, you know. Ah, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. Interesting. So, okay, la, so classical music is definitely more challenging than pop music. Uh, and you say both are sort of fun to play, right? But if we were, let's say, um, given... okay. When, when usually, right, when you play like classical versus pop, right, how would you say like, um, how, how do I say? <laughs> when, you play, when you play classical and pop, right, do you have like a certain expectation that you set for yourself? Expectations. I think the, 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 the very bottom one would be don't screw up. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Because I don't, don't okay, you see the thing is, right, um, I see a lot of violinists, right? That's very like oh, so very very bent on just oh, violin is only meant to to be done on classical music. And then when they see violin in pop music, they're like, oh god, it's so doesn't it doesn't fit in there? Do you do you think the same thing, or do you think like violin can really really it has a place in pop music? I think it. If you if you find yourself stuck in one genre. And unable to venture out, I think it's quite a you're doomed. <laughs> you're doomed there. As in, I think as musicians, it's our job to not just be instrumentalist, but try to express music across uh, different genres. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you when you play, let's say when 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 I play pop music, I want, I want, I I, I would hope for listeners to be also interested in classical violin as well not just the pop music oh. so you, you, you sort of want to inspire inspire them in, in, in more than just one way right yeah I, I, I agree I think instruments should not be restricted to any one genre so it's big mm-hmm. so much more it's a very yeah definitely definitely so okay um you work as a violin teacher as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So, okay. As a violin teacher, would you say, like to, a, to, a, to someone who's just starting to pick up the violin, would you say that it's a very, very difficult instrument to pick up? 
when when people tell you know that there's this thing going on saying that the violin is the the hardest instrument to pick up i still have no idea if there's something harder maybe like the harp or something mm-hmm. but i i will admit that the learning curve is steeper than than other instruments uh there are because there are many aspects of this um playing that you can't you can't you can't experience just by looking at someone play you know mm-hmm. when when you watch someone play you have no idea how much pressure he's putting down on the string you know how much he's tensing up the, the, the sort of thing all you hear is oh this thing sounds nice or oh this thing is like eh, doesn't sound too good so even when students observe their teachers there are many things that that don't just come across that easily you know there's only you, you can only learn through i don't know just visual and audio or, or oral learning but there's a lot of hands-on um hands-on uh aspect of this um instrument that makes it very hard to pick up as a beginner uh okay so did you which do you think is the hardest part of teaching the violin <laughs> I, I used to um I used to uh, use the piano as a as a comparison so let's say like when you press the the, the, the do the C key you know like this this particular this this sound will come out mm-hmm. right no matter how 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 you play it this sound will come out in tune but then let's say if you play like a middle C on the violin right you, your left hand has to know where to press your bow has to find out where to position on the string itself and after that how much pressure how much speed you're going to use so uh <laughs> it's uh oh no i, I digress i forgot your original question <laughs> no, no no i'm just saying like which is the hardest part of teaching the violin like which do you think students have the most trouble in trying to 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 master okay so okay i remember some yeah. projection basically some projection right. oh my god i went one big round some <laughs> no that's fine that's fine and, some projection and because this process may take long period of time to you know just just to just to master you know just just making the sound not crack you know i think most students end up getting um, discouraged because the you know we're, we're, we're so used so used to like instant gratification and then suddenly having to go through this this hiring process with like no mm. definite result at the end might turn off a lot of people right so in what by sound projection you mean like how loud you want to play how soft so basically like is it c- controlling like the volume that the violin produces it's not just loud soft but you know like uh your when you see someone on tv play the violin they just go like and the sound just comes out stretchy oh. and you know just just by uh successfully making the sound come out smoothly right. it's gonna take a while as well oh okay you know you that, that sounds like the most basic aspect of the violin but at the same time probably the hardest one to to master once you pick it up right yeah yeah i mean yeah, I would think I would think that the chords would be the hardest part because you know the violin doesn't have frets like guitar and mm-hmm. whatever have. 
So I was thinking like, wow, how, how do you properly space together your fingers to produce like the right chords and then you have to memorize it and all that. And but, the uh, margin, yeah, like, like you said, we got no frets, right? So yeah. the margin of error is uh, much, much smaller. smaller. Correct. Right. Did you yourself have like much difficulty with these or did you find that it's like no problem for you when you learned it? I think every violinist or every string player goes through this 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 process. It's all part of learning. Mm. Yeah. And then and then you know all this has to do with like muscle memory. Like the more you practice, the the the, right. the more your fingers remember how yeah. what are the spaces like between them. Mm. And then after years of practice, you it should get easier. Right. Yeah. That's true, that's true. It's, it's, practice is always the number one thing to get better in an instrument. That is... <laughs> Correct. <laughs> do, you, do you used to spend like hours and hours and hours practicing or were you like very casual? Uh, <laughs> I, was the, I was the lazy kid. The <laughs> lazy kid, right. About... about... Okay, this is, this is probably not the most uh, ideal role model, but this is, I, I did... Maybe thirty minutes a day, <laughs> compared to you know like some some other kids who do hours on end. Right. I mean, everyone practices at their own pace. You know, as long as they they reach the standard that they want, it doesn't matter. Like if it takes like a few years or a few months to sort of master the instrument. As long as you you actively practice, <laughs> correct? Like you don't have to practice four hours a day. Well, sure, that's good. But honestly, right in my opinion, right as someone who also practices around thirty minutes to one hour a day on my own instruments. I completely understand. <laughs> Thanks for covering up for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, not all, not all professional musicians have to be, have to be crazy people. Have to really practice for hours, essentially. But yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it's good to know. It's good to know that you know that even with even with this very sort of like I would say, uh shorter time of practice every day you're still able to you're still able to 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 become a professional musician in singapore right was it was it okay was it very difficult to sort of step into that um the world of a uh, professional uh music playing in singapore or did you just or did you find it very easy to just start i think it's not just um, for musicians, but in any field you work in, like the moment you graduate, I don't think any of us are truly ready. You know, you mm-hmm. just you just stick things in your stride. You see what you can do or what you cannot do, and then you just learn from there. Ah, uh, okay. So, oh, okay. So then, right. So then you just tackled it like any other person, any other fresh grad would. <laughs> <laughs> It's a it's it's a learning it's a learning process. A learning process, yeah. right? Mm. Okay, so I'm just going to move on, uh, about something that you created with a friend called Tenuto Music Studio during this COVID period, correct? Mm-hmm. All right. So tell me about it. What exactly is Tenuto Music Studio? What was your intention when you created it? Uh, so Tenuto Music Studio is a uh... I co-founded it with another friend. So we wanted to create a, a studio. So, so um, back in our, our college days, um, we used to have studio lessons uh, whereby 
a, the whole a bunch of uh, students who come together and then play in front of each other, in front of a teacher as well. So uh, this is a, uh, I think group learning can be fun, and I find I I realized that not many other music schools do it uh, actively in Singapore. So so the goal is to um you know get enough students to one day uh organize this sort of uh, studio lessons on like a hopefully a, a weekly basis you know such that they can see how their peers are doing you know bring out that little bit of competitiveness in, in each of them and then hopefully create this uh closer knit community for to learn music oh so group lessons right mm. interesting did you is it more well, you say it's like uh, it helps to build community and it's more fun, right? But is it more difficult to teach a group of students at the same time compared to a single student? Uh, both have their challenges, but for mm-hmm. for for a, a group or a studio setting, I think uh, the unique part is every student can have a say in how the lesson goes. You know, you... Oh encourage a friendly uh, criticism constructive uh, criticism and then and then you know what you see lacking in your friend you just throw in your input and hopefully everybody learns a bit of something from one another oh yeah mm-hmm. right so it's like a feedback system uh, you play for yeah. each other and then like you critique each other's playing oh yeah that works that works actually I never really, really thought about that group music lessons. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> I think that uh, education shouldn't come from one sole, um, one source, which is the teacher. Like, sometimes I, I still don't think that I know everything. Mm. And, and I also believe that uh, everyone has something to offer, you know. Uh, ideally, I, I, I would hope that every musician can be a teacher and student at some point. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, okay, I get what you mean. So it's like, um, you hear, you, you just, you don't just want one person to sort of critique your work because everybody here sort of like hears music differently. Is that correct? Correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think how when you were explaining it, I was sort of like drawing parallels to my own because uh, I take a degree in creative writing, right? So we also okay. have these workshop sessions where we submit our own writing to our classmates. And then Ooh, nice. every week, everyone has to post up like their own little work. And then we every, every classmate has to comment, critique on each other's posts. Quite and you get cool. a lot of variety of different like people... You know, like people read your stuff differently. So I'm guessing it's the same as, as as music. They hear your stuff differently. Like one person could could hear like, oh, maybe this part doesn't sound that nice to me, but the other part, but the other person could be like, correct, correct. But oh, but then I thought you played that one pretty well. You know, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Correct, correct. That's, I see. That's the idea. Right. Okay. <laughs> so that's actually that's actually pretty smart. Tenuto Music Studio. Hmm. So you created it during the uh, COVID, COVID period as sort of like a side project, correct? Mm-hmm. Did you also... And... Yeah. Go on, go on, go on, sorry. 
uh, did you also consider like um the uh the possibility of like online lessons and that kind of stuff? Online lessons have been happening since uh since the start of this whole <laughs> pandemic. Right. So you created this thing with the intention of holding it all online, is it? Uh, actually, no, not really. Not really. Because uh, there are restrictions, mm. right? And then that this 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 basically just cuts down in group size to I don't know back back to two, which is almost impossible mm. to do what we had in mind. Cool. And also, uh, uh, rental right now for most spaces is 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 not the most um best um <sighs> bang for buck. Yeah. So everything has been put on hold for now. Uh, yeah, but we are still laying out the groundwork. So hopefully, when yeah, like I don't know, give it a few more months or a year, hopefully this thing can see ooh, results. How exciting! <laughs> yeah, but online lessons have been happening for a while, so it's I don't think it's anything new to many of us. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right. Okay. So. Okay. So like, I also read up that um, throughout your career, you participated in this uh, collaboration between uh, National University of Singapore and the Cambodian Royal University of Fine Arts called Mozart at Angkor, correct? Mm-hmm. So um, did you, it's to sort of like celebrate um, the growing uh, interest in classical music uh, in Cambodia, right? Mm-hmm. So are you able to sort of elaborate more about like how you got into it or what exactly you did? It was a it was a school project actually. Mm-hmm. So uh they I think Cambodia is still on this track to building its building back its classical music scene. So I will see us as just a gear in the whole the whole grand scheme of plans. <laughs> uh, right. So they had a they had a local composer who wrote uh who wrote music. So most of the pieces we played there incorporated uh Western classical music uh, instruments and also uh traditional Cambodian instruments as well. Oh right. So you you actually like personally you went to Cambodia to to perform for this. Yeah, it, it lasted a week, I think. Ah, okay. So did you get like a lot of good um reception for it? It's a very popular. <laughs> I I think I remember. I think so. <laughs> you think so? I can't remember. Just <laughs> Ah, did you feel like ah? Uh, was it okay? So was it your first time with, uh, working with uh, traditional Cambodian instruments and also Cambodian music? Was it? Yeah, actually, yeah. Ah, uh, did you? Well, did you find the overall experience like really? Did you say that you learned a lot from it? Well, what what did you? Yeah, what did you learn from it? That music doesn't is 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 fluid. Mm. You know, and then and then we have a. I think we all have this obligation to uphold um, that, um, you know, us who can play an instrument better because we have been, we have been honing this craft for so many years versus someone there who just picked it up and then they are trying to, you know, create music on an instrument that they have, that they are still relatively new to. You know, there's, there's this, 
was trying to inspire, like like I said, inspiring, trying to inspire, and then trying to give them, do I say, an idea to work to? Mm, right. Okay. It's interesting. Cam- uh, classical music in Cambodia. I never really thought about that. But why did you, why did you like want it? So you say it started off as a school project, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did you voluntarily like step in and say, "Oh, I want to try, I want to try out this cool project about classical music in Cambodia"? No, I think we got, we all got arrowed. <laughs> ah, I see, I see. But it was it turned out it turned out better than many of us expected. That's good. That's good to hear. Well then, <laughs> our twenty minutes is up. And that's all the time we have for today. So thank you so much again, Howie, for taking the time to talk to me about your career as a musician, about more about the violin. And and I really wish you all the best in your career. So thank you. Thank you, Inzi.